Can I encourage you? You have to cultivate this, by the way, and I don't think this comes naturally. When you sit under preaching, regardless, you really should have high expectations. And your expectations should be centered on it will be the Word of God preached. And if it is not going to be the Word of God preached, I would seriously encourage you to rethink sitting under that preacher. You must listen to faithful preaching. It may not always be the best preaching, but let it be centered on the Word of God. So when you come to church, I hope you approach it a little bit like Christmas morning and there's a gift in front of you and you're not quite sure what's in it. But there's a, an anticipation, there's an expectation in you. And you unwrap it with determination to find out what that is that someone who loves you has given to you. Well, I believe that's really the way you ought to approach a sermon, I think. And by the way, the way you should approach every time you open the Bible, it's a gift. God is going to do something for you. He's going to bring your heart in a little bit more accord with his. He's going to inflame your heart with his desire. So let's approach it with that mindset. And you might recall Samuel, a young boy whom God called to a life of service. You might remember David, who was just a teen, we think, when God called him. You heard last week of Josiah, the king of Israel, who at eight became king, began to powerfully seek God at 16 years old. Hudson Taylor, 17 years old when he became a Christian, he went on to pioneer one of the greatest mission movements in, the, in human history. C.T. Studd, who actually ministered in Africa very close to where we do with Restoring Hope Ministry, he came to faith at 18 years old. He gave up an Olympic famous cricket career. He gave up his family's fortune, gave it all away to serve God in China with Hudson Taylor and then Africa. Dwight Moody, 18 years old when God saved him in a shoe store, went on to preach the gospel to millions of people, leading thousands of men, women, and children to a saving knowledge of Christ. Charles Spurgeon came to Christ at 15. He was pastoring a church at 17. That's amazing. Amy Carmichael served, uh, came to know the Lord at 16, spent five decades in southern India rescuing girls who had been forced into prostitution in Hindu temples. Billy Graham, saved at 16 years old, called to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to over 200 million people. Around the world, friends, listen to me, around the world, God is using young people. It is amazing what he can do, and age is not a concern to God. So are you young? Do not think that God can only use you when you grow up. He wants to use you now. Welcome to the Teen Titan series. We are looking at amazing young people in the Bible that have done great things for God. And I want to start out by saying this. So can I grab everybody's, man, if I could just be in your living room. If I could just be right across from you, that would be such a preference over preaching. If I could just let you and I talk back and forth. So let me grab hold of your mind if I could even do that. And I want to just impress on you. Can I persuade you of this? God has a plan for your life. And his calling 
is his invitation into that plan. He has a plan for your life. His calling is his invitation for you to enter that plan. And we're about to watch this happen in the life of a teenager called Jeremiah. Israel, as you heard a lot from last week, was a spiritual mess. Full of pagan priests, their foreign gods, with their foreign gods, their detestable ways. It was a time of political upheaval, military threats, literally on every point of the compass. And King Josiah, he's bringing spiritual reform, but it's going to take time to happen. And it's in the midst of all of this that God called, now hear this, a 17-year-old boy named Jeremiah to what would seem an impossible life. Here we go. I'm going to give you five principles. It doesn't matter what age you are. They all are relevant to every one of us. And here's the first. God's calling is made clear through his word. Now, this is going to be, I think, the least appreciated one. Because in America, in the church today, we have such a disregard for the word of God. There is a certain lip service to it. But I would just ask you to take a little test right now. How deeply are you immersed in God's word throughout the week? How high do you hold his authority in his word? What level of love do you have that would propel you when you're exhausted in the morning or exhausted in the evening to find your way to God's word, expecting and anticipating great things? God's calling is made clear through his words. Let's get our Bibles out. Jeremiah chapter 1, you've got to be in the word of God. We're going to see this calling unfold in the life of Jeremiah and every one of the five principles hold true to us today. Verse 4, now the word of the Lord came to me, saying. Now you could just stop right there because you've already found the first principle. It's a proven truth. Are you ready? This is shocking. It might be shocking. It's a proven truth that young Christians will be most confused with their calling in life if they make little of God's word. Now, I'm going to shorten that grammatically. Here's all of what I just said. If you're not in God's word, expect a great fog in your life where you are trying to figure out what God made you for. The Bible, as David said in Psalm 119, lights up the way that you should go in life. Proverbs 3 tells us that when you acknowledge God, you find him in his word. He will make your path straight. David prayed in Psalm 40, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is written in my heart. So listen, if you're struggling to understand God's purposes for your life, then you need to seek him in his word. It's what blows away the fog. So God began to speak into Jeremiah's life when the word of the Lord came. Now, now this is really interesting. I think I would encourage you to write this down, maybe in the margin of your Bible. That phrase, when when the word of the Lord came, is going to be found 49 times in the book of Jeremiah. 49 times. Every clear guidance that I personally 
have ever received in life has come through God's word and prayer. And I'm going to say that again. This is so important. This is the foundational principle. Every clear guidance that God has ever given me in my life has come when I've been in God's word and prayer. When you begin to understand that what you want to do or what you do in life, it's not your invention. It's God's invention for you. Then you've already crossed and, and, and leaped over the first hurdle in hearing God speak. When you approach the Bible and you understand this is not my life to choose to do what I want. It is my life to do what God wants for me. And then all of a sudden the fog is beginning to dissipate. Your ears are getting unplugged. And God says, finally, I can speak to you. Finally, you can understand you see, God doesn't ever want to hide his will to his children. By the way, I know Christians that don't agree with that. I know Christians that don't know this. They're convinced that God is making them live in obscurity, and I'm telling you today, you will not find biblical evidence for that. It is true, however, that God does not want to hide his will. Listen, for his children, he will obscure it to the unsaved but he will reveal it to his children. And he does that through his word. And you'll begin to understand the calling of God, that that calling of God, what he has purposed for your life, you cannot figure it out. You cannot solve it like a puzzle. It must be revealed to you. Did you understand that? Do you know that? That you'll never be able to talk to somebody. You'll never find somebody able to tell you, well, this is your calling in life. It must be revealed by God. Now, if he chooses to do that through somebody, fantastic. But it's not a logarithmic equation that you've just got to solve. It's not a Rubik's Cube that you've got to get the colors to align. It is God having to reveal it to you. And the way that he reveals his will and his calling is when we approach the word of God knowing this is not my life to do what I want. It is my life to do what, God's want, what God wants. You're already crossing that hurdle. And all of a sudden, he'll begin to blow that fog away. He'll begin to show you, this is what I made you for. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that God's word is living and active. And I would imagine that nearly every person in here has heard that over and over again. But do you really know what that means? Now, that would take an entire series to unpack that properly. But I can tell you in very quick fashion, it means that God's word's endowed, hear this, it's endowed with the power of God to work out God's will in your life. Did you hear that? Living and active means that God's word, it's intrinsically powered. It, is, it, it has the power that God has put into it. He's breathed it out, and that power will work out God's will in your life. It can bring faith into being. This is why it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You don't have to believe God before you believe. You approach scripture with some measure. Is this the word of God? And as you approach the word of God, it is living and active. It has the power to actually breathe life into your 
sinful heart. It has the power to bring faith into a barren heart, which all of a sudden is activated. All of a sudden you believe. All of a sudden you want to live your life for God. That is the result of the living and active word of God. It has the power in and of itself to accomplish all that God wants to do in your life and through your life. By the way, there is no other book like that. There simply is no other book capable of that because there is no other book that is living and active. And there are a lot of good books. I am a voracious reader. There are books that definitely have impacted my life, but there's not one book other than the Holy Word of God that could be said truthfully to be living and active. Its power is in itself. By the way, that's the same for my sermons or Pastor Matthews, or Austin's, or Tim's. Listen, every one of our sermons only have power in that they move you towards Christ. The written word must move you to the living word for a transformational experience. See, no Christian will ever do much for God without a confidence in the word of God, without a love for God's word, without time being spent in God's living and active word. Can I encourage you? Listen, it starts there. If you want to know the calling of God on your life, what he has made you to do, it begins as you approach the word of God. You will hear him speak. You will know what he wants for you because his word will make it clear. That's what Jeremiah is going to experience all through this entire book. But there's another principle. God created you perfectly for the calling that he has for you. Look at verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is amazing. This, by the way, is very much why Bright Hope does what they do. There's a living human being in the womb. Formed, however, was a potter's word. And it means to squeeze clay into shape. Now, I hope you write that into your Bible. It's a potter's word. It means to fashion somebody or something into the shape that you design intentionally. So God purposely shaped you, Christian. I hope you hear this. This will help you when you struggle with your self-confidence. This will help you, as you're going to hear in a minute, when you understand the calling of God and you are overwhelmed. God purposely shaped you for the calling that he would one day give you. And now you might be right there, right now, going, well, God, I think I know your calling, but it's not happening. And I don't think I'm really shaped for it. Well, I guess I could borrow from Romans, who are you to talk back to the potter? God knows what he's doing. And you'll discover that living that calling is living what you were designed for. It is exhilarating. It is satisfying. Yet even more, Jeremiah, we're learning that God has known us with utmost familiarity like a sculptor for his work of art. You've been in the eye of God long before he created you in your mother's womb. Actually, you know what? I'm going to tell you this. God has known you for eternity. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you really, truly, honestly try to sit down and contemplate that, I think you're going to discover what I have discovered. You're actually going to get physiologically dizzy because there are some things that can overwhelm our senses. Because everything that is about us in this world is finite. It is hooked to something that you can sense. 
This is so beyond that, that God has known you for eternity. And I, I got to tell you, there wasn't a time a long time ago where God was bored, he thought you up, and he threw, to you, threw you together one day. That's never been the case with God. He has known you for eternity past. He has looked forward to the day that he would create you, knowing already the life calling he would give you. And so he designed you perfectly for that calling. David praises God because he recognizes he had been fearfully, wonderfully made by God. Job realized that God had fashioned him together in his mother's womb. God creates Jeremiah with perfect knowledge of the calling that he's going to give him. And he's done the exact same thing for you, Christian brother and sister. You have the physical abilities you have the natural talents. You have the exact personality that God planned for you to have. And you cannot change those. All your experiences you've had, even the good ones as well as the bad ones, they were known by God. He knew these things were going to happen to you. He knew you were going to experience them. And not one of them is an obstacle to your calling. In fact, I'm going to tell you, by faith, they're going to aid your calling. Or he wouldn't have allowed you to go through it. I know that you can do all things, Job said, and that no purpose of yours could be thwarted. God's calling in your life is absolutely unthwartable. It is irrevocable. So Christians, settle this now, especially when you're young. God knew you fully. He knew your weaknesses. He knew your strengths. He knew your vices. He knows your virtues. He knows your failures. He knows your successes. Yet still he set his love on you. He's given you a calling that is unchangeable. And you might be hyper-analytical. I know a lot of us are. I'm one of you. You might be super easily distractible. You might be physically limited, you might struggle socially, yet God's purposes and his calling will prevail in your life as you walk with him in his word. Now listen, Jeremiah, you don't know this perhaps? If you don't, I'm going to tell you something. Jeremiah was very shy. He was very sensitive. He was incredibly honest. He was super emotional. He's hardly the prototypical prophet for tough times. His whole life, he's going to yearn for a love and an acceptance from his people. He's never going to get it. He is reduced to tears. He's going to be hated. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be persecuted. He's going to be hurt his entire decades-long ministry. Yet through all of it, he's going to stay rooted in God's word as it unleashes in his life over and over the truth that God chose him for this calling and God is with him every step of the way. Now, do you have that confidence? Now, I'm preaching this message. Originally, it was supposed to be Solomon. I've moved it over to Jeremiah because I'm utterly convinced that the majority of Christians do not believe what I'm preaching. And your life is suffering from that. It is grievous to me. It is a very fatherly position being a pastor. And when you struggle, I'm going to tell you, it hurts deeply me. And when you have victory, it brings great joy to me. 
And I see so many people in Cornerstone struggling. They do not vertically connect their life to God's calling. And they are wandering in a fog, and they are miserable, they are sad, and they are ineffective in life. There's a way through the fog. It is in Jeremiah 1. Your calling will be made clear by God's word. Your calling was chosen for you before you were born. And that's the third principle. God chose you for this calling before you were born. Back to verse 5. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Now, I'm going to ask a question. I want you to actually raise a hand, and I want you to do it honestly. When's the, how many of you have used the word consecrated in a sentence in the last 10 years? One strange young lady whom I absolutely love. It's really not a common modern word. So you've got to be sitting there going, what on earth does that mean? Now here's what we typically do. Come on, you know you do this. I do this too. You read that word, it's in the text. You read it in the morning and you go, okay, don't know that word, but I'm moving on because, hey, the easier to understand word you follows. I know that one. You've got to dig. You've got to learn. You've got to master the very words that God has used in his Bible. So here we go. Consecrated, it's a super powerful word. Here's what it means. Incredibly simply, it just means you've been set apart for a holy divine use. Now, if you really want to dig into it, it's a whole lot more to it. But that's really the summary of it. You've been set apart for a divine, holy use. So God is saying to the 17-year-old priest, Jeremiah, here's what he's saying. You are mine. I chose you before you're born. I will not let you go. Now, if you would say that, Christian, every single morning before you even get out of bed, it will change the course of your day. You are God's. He chose you before you were born. He will not let you go. In fact, God chose you before you were born. Your calling is God's choice. It is not your choice. The Apostle Paul echoed this same truth. He expanded on it. And the super well-known Romans 8, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, and those who are called for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, you got to go on or you're going to twist this one easily. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, that just simply means he already created your destiny before you were born, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. You got to take those five golden links of that chain and you got to hold them together. God calls you according to his purpose. He's known you from eternity past, he has chosen you. Now, let me get really practical for a moment because a lot of us have done this, including me. You might make an appointment with a counselor. Maybe it's a guidance counselor in your school. Maybe it's a professional counselor. Right now, really vogue, really hot, are the new niche in counseling called career counselors. 
So maybe you make a, an appointment with a career counselor and you take all those personality tests and you take those skill inventories and you try to work with that counselor to wisely choose your career path. And you go to college and you don't know what you're doing, well, they're going to encourage you to try to make that decision as quick as possible. And they've got admissions counselors and professors they are going to help you with this. And it can really be helpful to understand how God has made you, but I want you to know something. You ready? Now, can you lodge this in your mind, especially if you're young? God has known you perfectly before you were born. He chose you, consecrated you, set you apart for a special calling, now listen, and he will reveal that calling in time through his living and active word. He will not bypass his word because you want a shortcut. He's going to say, you know what, I think you're probably going to come away a little bit confused from that counselor, unless that counselor is taking you back to my word. See, it all begins and ends with God's word. What will, you do, what will you do with God's living and active word? If you want to know your calling that God has given to you, then pursue your relationship with God with zeal and passion. Fundamentally, bedrock conviction, God has set you apart for a calling, and that calling will be for him. But here's fourth principle, and I have experienced this, and I have seen this over and over. God's calling will create a crisis in your faith. Jeremiah 1.5, I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That's his calling. This priest is going to be a prophet. Not every priest did that. A prophet either foretells or foretells, either explains God's word to the people or tells the people what God is saying is coming in the future. That's basically what they're doing. They're teachers, they're preachers. Most priests were not prophets. He's going to be a prophet, 17 years old. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations, not just Israel, to the nations, not just friendly nations that like my people, but to the nations all around you that actually hate you. You're going to be a prophet to the world. He's going to learn as a prophet very, very quickly that he is going to be hated and despised by who? His own people. By the way, that's one of the side jobs of a pastor is to expect and anticipate that sometimes people are really going to hate your sermons. Well, sometimes because they're duds, but usually it's because it's in conflict with what you want. You want the word of God to say something else. Sometimes preaching hurts, doesn't it? It hurts me. Sometimes preaching cuts like a surgeon's scalpel. And we sometimes recoil and we leave here going, I don't know if I'm going to go back to that church. Well, Jeremiah is going to learn there is a response to his preaching that was not what I'm sure his glamorous 17-year-old mind thought at some point, wow, they're going to love God's word. I know I do. Why wouldn't they? And it's no wonder verse 6 says from Jeremiah, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. Well, there's his crisis of faith. 
Here's God saying, I'm going to make you a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah is backpedaling like Moses going, I don't know how to speak. I don't know how to preach. I've not been trained to do this. There's no way, God. There is absolutely not within me the ability to do that. He's overwhelmed. His faith was not big enough for this calling. Christian, do not be surprised when God's call on your life is made clear, and all of a sudden, instead of euphoric, joyful responses, you're all of a sudden in a tailspin of a crisis of faith. And if your response, I hope you hear this, if your response to the clear call of God in your life is, I've got this God, you are more often than not unable to see it clearly. You're not able to see that clearly. Or you're overestimating your natural abilities. Whatever God calls you to do will exceed your natural ability. It will only be done and able to be done by faith. And it will create at some level and at some point a crisis. By the way, Abraham experienced that. Moses did. Gideon did. Elijah did. Paul did. Peter did. They all had the same response to the call that God gave them. I cannot do this. No way could that happen. Luke 8, 27 records Jesus saying, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Your calling, Christian brother and sister, is impossible in human ability. It is only possible with God. See, God's call is overwhelming to the natural mind. Why? Because it can only be done in his power. And he may call you to lead a Bible study in your school as a seventh grader. He might call you to start a Bible study in your dorm in a godless college. Or in your workplace at lunch break. And you will immediately doubt, I don't know if I can do this. I've never been told how to study the Bible. I've never been taught how to lead a Bible study. But God's calling you to it. What are you going to do? And there's your crisis of faith. God, God might have a calling for you to be a mom. And maybe more than one child. And you might be going, well, man, one child just about ended my life. God, I cannot do this. Now, I'm saying that because my wife and I experienced that. The fourth child that came along seven years after our third nearly overwhelmed us. It was a crisis of faith, but that was a calling that God had for my wife to raise four children. God might call you to a career path that looks impossible, and all you see are all the reasons why it just cannot work for you. Now, I believe that Jeremiah glimpsed in that moment of his call that I'm going to make you a prophet to the nations. I think he glimpsed for a moment what it's going to require of him. Jeremiah 15:10. Woe is me, my mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land. I am not lent, nor have I borrowed, yet all of them curse me. He was hated by everybody. The rabbis called Jeremiah the weeping prophet. They say he was born already crying. Well, that's not surprising. Most babies are. But they said he was born weeping, tears of sorrow. 
Michelangelo painted him on the Sistine Chapel ceiling. He's in a posture of despair, sitting, shoulders hunched, face turned away like he's just been struck by some hand, his own hand covering his mouth. This is a prophet of despair. I think he might have glimpsed it. He's going to cry out, Jeremiah 15, 18. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? God, will you be to me like a deceitful brook? like waters that fail. I mean, he was gut-wrenchingly honest with God. And those times of doubt and discouragement came over and over. God kept confirming his call. He kept saying, Jeremiah 3.12, go proclaim these words. This is what I've told you to do. You're a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah 17.2, stand in the gate of the Lord's house. Proclaim there this word. Here's what I made you for, Jeremiah. You're going to take my word, and you're going to get it to the hearts of the nations, and you're going to lead them to revival, or you're going to lead them to repentance, or you're going to lead them into exile. Over and over, God tells Jeremiah throughout the entire book, this is what I made you to do. Go and I will be with you. Now, Jeremiah, they believe, wrote Lamentations as well, and here's the depths of the passion, of the emotion at the very bottom of Jeremiah's life. Have you ever gotten to this point in life? Remember my affliction and my wanderings, Jeremiah said, the wormwood and the gall, the bitterness, my soul continually remembers it. It's bowed down within me, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You got a glimpse of that calling, and it created a crisis of faith. But God confirmed to him this truth. And to me, it might be behind the foundation of the word of God, the most important truth. God equips the called to do all he commands. But the Lord said, verse 7, to me, do not say I'm only a youth, for, for, to all to, to, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. And what I want to tell you, Christians, it doesn't matter how old you are or how, old, how young you are. I want you to hear this, and I want you to try to hold on to it with faith. God will never ask you to do anything without the guarantee that he will enable you to do it. It is impossible for God to command you to do something that he will not give the gracious power to fulfill. His calling is preceded by his equipping, and it will be accompanied by his presence. 2 Corinthians 9.8 speaks to this. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. How do you abound? You do it with the grace of God, the power of God. Hebrews 13, may God equip you with everything good that you may do his will. He will equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now back to Jeremiah. He needs to know this. He's in a crisis. Verse 9. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. 
I've told you this before. Some of you haven't heard it. The very first time I ever preached, I was absolutely terrified. I remember not one word that I preached. That is, by the way, what fear will do. Anxiety causes your brain to secrete a hormone that will actually lose your memories. That's why you don't want stress in your life. You will actually forget how faithful God was through it. I was hunched down over the pulpit. Later, one of the elders of the church in Atlanta, Georgia, said to me, you never looked up once. I never saw your eyes. And I said, I couldn't. There was such a weight on my shoulders. I was petrified. Yet God put his words in my mouth. He put his words in Jeremiah's mouth. He will put his power in your life to do anything that he will call you to do. Whatever God's calling is in your life, he is giving you and already giving you the power to be able to fulfill it. He promises his presence He promises his power to Jeremiah. Look at verse 19. They will fight against you, Jeremiah, but they shall not prevail against you. Why? For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. So not only will he give you the power to fulfill that calling, his presence will be with you every step of the way. And that is true for every single Christian. And it's bound into the greatest mission that Jesus Christ has ever given to his church. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And here it is. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now listen, let's just get really down to the brass tacks. You ready? God's never going to ask you to do something that he will not give you the power to do. That's impossible for God to do that. And whatever he asks you to do and he gives you the power to do, he's going to be with you every single moment of the journey. He's not going to walk off and say, you know what, I'm going to let you kind of swim around in the deep end until you learn to float. He's going to be in the pool with you, holding you up, teaching you how to swim, how to serve, how to live your calling. Let me summarize everything with these five statements. You ready? They're all on the screen. You'll understand God's calling in your life as you are immersed in Scripture. If you are not in the Word of God, Christian brother and sister, you will be one puzzled, fog-endowed individual. Until you come here with excitement and love and expectation, that calling is going to be a blur. And God has shaped you perfectly for the calling that he's given you. He has known you forever. And he chose your calling. You didn't choose it. He chose it for you. And it will be the greatest life that you could ever live. And his calling, it will create, don't be surprised, it's going to create a crisis of faith. But God will confirm it over and over in your life. And he's given you all you need for that calling Everything you need, you're going to receive from him, and he will be with you every step of the way. Now, everything that I just gave to you in 38 minutes and 59 seconds is absolutely useless if you don't believe it. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe the word of God? Did you see those principles clearly in Jeremiah's own calling? Don't let the devil tell you, well, that's Jeremiah, but that's not you. That was thousands of years ago, and you're in the 21st century. It doesn't work like that anymore. That's a lie from the devil. That's as relevant and modern today as it was in Jeremiah's. Do you believe it? You come to the Lord with your faltering faith, and you confess that to him, and he will bolster that faith, and he will flood your life with conviction and the power to live out your calling. I hope that's true for you. Amen.